Hello and welcome. My name is Tenzin Tarpa, and I'll be reading from my text, The Meaning of Life and the Practice of Shining, which is a part of my Skillful Living series. You can download a print copy of this text and many others from my website at tenzintarpa.com. Just a reminder that although my work is free, as a Buddhist monk, I do rely on donations to sustain myself and my work. So, if you find my writing of value, consider making a donation at my website. The Meaning of Life and the Practice of Shining by Venerable Tenzin Tarpa In this text, we explore the pinnacle of all existential questions. What is the meaning of life? For me, this question conjures up images from newspaper cartoons of a person clawing their way to the peak of a mountaintop upon which sits a yogi in front of his cave. The climber asks, what is the meaning of life? Which is followed by a humorous punchline uttered by the yogi. However, this question is no laughing matter. On the contrary, it is without a doubt the most important question for anyone living an examined life. The answer to this question establishes our view through which we interpret, understand, and engage our lives, an answer that establishes our model of reality. The meaning of life is held differently for different people. For the religious, it's to serve God. For the secular, to encourage human flourishing. For some, life is merely about survival. For others, it's a contest to be won. Buddhists have a unique view of this question. The Buddhist model of reality doesn't share the common religious view of a universe locked in battle between good and evil. Instead, Buddhism asserts a natural universe operating within natural universal laws. Buddhism refutes the notion of a conscious universe, insisting that consciousness can only exist within a mind. This means that the principles of meaning, purpose, value, judgment, and function can only be known, asserted, or experienced by a mind. Therefore, for Buddhists, who are non-theistic, holding no belief in a creator God, the universe simply lacks the ability to impute meaning. In other words, only a mind can impute meaning upon life. It's ourselves, our families, our friends, and culture that decide on the meaning of our lives. According to Buddhism, at the universal level, there is no meaning of life. We exist because we exist, as unique manifestations of the universe. I believe the complexity and confusion pertaining to this question stems from our own exaggerated sense of importance. That by believing we're special, we then imagine that there must be a special meaning for our existence. However, if we subdue our egotism and shift the focus of our analysis away from ourselves to something else, say a bird or a flower, suddenly this question gains great clarity. For when we ask, why does a bird exist? Or what is the meaning of a bird's life? Suddenly the answer becomes obvious. Clearly, a bird has no special reason to exist. It is merely a wondrous expression of the universe. A bird doesn't need to validate its worth by accomplishing something. And this is equally true of ourselves. We, like the bird, are already whole and complete. Our presence in each moment 
is our unique contribution to the universe. There is nothing to prove nor any further value to be earned. Our existence alone is the miracle. So to clarify, in a natural universe where consciousness only exists in the minds of sentient beings, there is no universal meaning of life. We are free to choose for ourselves what our lives mean and how we experience and express them. We are free to simply abide in appreciation of the miracle of our existence, understanding the unsurpassable value we embody simply by existing. Accepting and appreciating our inner value at this foundational level is the remedy for many of our neurotic tendencies. Once we accept the fact that it is not necessary to validate our worth through striving and achieving, we gain the first glimpse of our true nature. What is extraordinary is that we exist in the first place. Isn't that enough? You are the bird, you are the flower. Your existence itself is the accomplishment that needs no further embellishment. To not recognize this fact is to seriously underappreciate the wonder and miracle of life itself. Appreciating our current place in our evolution. Some may ask, how can we be whole and complete if there's still room for improvement? The answer is, by accepting our place in the context of our current stage of development. Meaning, we are whole and complete, but are continuously developing and often in need of adjustment. The bird has been evolving for thousands of years, but that doesn't contradict the fact that at each moment of a bird's development, it is complete in what it is. Additionally, evolution also relates to aspects within a single lifetime, like education, maturity, understanding, etc. Accepting and embracing reality. Once we begin to accept and embrace the true value of our existence, the next step is to accept and embrace a reality, meaning to experience the world as it is without embellishment or rejection, to stop struggling against reality and willingly accept both its joys and its suffering. Accepting reality stops us from living in denial or projecting preferred scenarios while curbing our compulsion to complain that the world isn't the way we think it should be. It's important to understand we are not talking about resignation or giving up. On the contrary, by rationally accepting and embracing reality, we gain objectivity, which allows us to see beyond our subjective biases, interpretations, and idealized projections, giving us an unparalleled advantage in resolving problems, determining productive action, and achieving fruitful results. This liberates us from overly emotional or deluded mental states that continuously struggle against reality. This objectivity also stops us from taking things so personally. Let's look at an example. Say you hear about an injustice and emotions arise within you. By first accepting the reality of the situation, you stop yourself from overreacting or becoming paralyzed by, paralyzed by your emotions. Next, you deduce that although horrific, it is a common occurrence happening daily around the world. 
Once grounded in this objective and informed view, you can then assess the situation clearly. And if you feel moved to act, any action you take will be more appropriate, skillful, and at, and at a proper intensity, leading to a more favorable outcome. For these common situations, I have a useful technique. <clears throat> when I'm confronted by any common behavior I don't like, uh, like disrespect, insult, or being cheated, I accept it, and I put it into context by saying to myself, yes, this is what people do, or this is how people behave. After accepting that fact, I then decide maturely and objectively if the situation calls for a response or any further action. How we perceive and interpret the world. Most of us don't realize just how subjective our view of the world is. The truth is, we don't directly perceive our environments, either external or internal. Instead, we perceive interpretations of our environment. We see only what the human eye can see, what the human ear can hear, what, the, what human touch can feel, and what the human mind can grasp and understand. But more importantly, is the way we interpret the world through our views, understanding, hopes, fears, attitudes, likes and dislikes, and cultural conditioning. This mechanism of interpretation is not a problem. It's simply the way our mind and senses operate. At first, the idea that we only perceive an interpretation of our reality can be a lot to accept for it is counterintuitive to what we have long held to be true. However, once we be, become more accustomed to the idea, appreciation develops for this amazing mechanism of perception. Through understanding and accepting our personal reality as less definitive than commonly believed, we begin to understand and accept the ethereal-like nature of our reality. It's through this understanding that we begin to let go. Fear is replaced by curiosity, grasping is replaced by contentment, and insecurity is replaced by acceptance. From this arises a deep humility and awe for the mystery and wonders of life. This then leads to an open and natural desire to explore, cultivate, and experience our joy, goodness, and vast potential. Discovering your true purpose. Friends often ask me if I can help them find their true purpose, telling me they feel as if there's a hole in their heart that needs to be filled. <clears throat> well, the fact is, this is a delusion. There is no hole in any of us. We are and have always been whole and complete, free to decide for ourselves what the purpose of our lives will be. I often think we need to rephrase the question. Instead of asking, what is my life's purpose? We should be asking, how do I decide what the current purpose of my life should be? Also, the idea that each one of us is born with a single purpose sounds quite dreary. I have engaged with many purposes throughout my life at different ages and stages of my development. So, if simply existing is enough, what then should we do with our lives? Well, the Buddha, although not asserting a distinct meaning to life, did assert awakening to be the true purpose and consummation of life. 
seeing awakening as the flowering of human existence. It's through our own awakening that awakened activity spontaneously and effortlessly shines forth. At this point, we are free to dance and sing, to express and create, to explore and achieve, to love and be loved, and to discover and delight in our innate goodness and unlimited potential. Or as I like to say, the purpose of life is to shine. The practice of shining. Quote, joy is not just a desired result of the path. It's also a prerequisite fuel for traversing it, end quote. Simply put, shining is the outpouring of our positivity, goodness, and potential. It is an act of expression that can encompass and enhance all that we do. It is the flourishing and actuation of our benevolent intentions, choices, and activities. Our care, precision, imagination, and flair we show in our work and play, as well as pertaining to the quality of our efforts. It's the love and kindness we share with others and the vitality through which we engage the world. We can shine in our work, our interactions, our understanding, our kindness, our humor, and in our fun. We can shine as artists, teachers, craftsmen, inventors, entrepreneurs, spouses, parents, siblings, sons and daughters, friends, or members of our community. We can shine through art, gardening, cooking, crafts, sports, activism, self-improvement, and caring for others. In other words, we can shine in everything we do. Ultimately, the aim is to cultivate shining into a constant mental state. The choice and ability to shine are always present. However, shining is only possible through a positive, open, and non-judgmental attitude without harboring a need for reciprocation. Shining in Awakened Living To further our understanding of shining, let's look at its composition. First, the foundation for shining is based on our correct view of ourselves in reality. From that clarity, space, freedom, and goodness that arises from the right view, shining then radiates from us as our attitude or spirit towards life. Shining becomes the basis for awakened living, as well as the result. Shining versus fake positivity. Some may contend that the practice of shining is merely a form of fake positivity, a contrived happiness, similar to the condition of spiritual bypass, the use of spiritual practice to avoid dealing with painful feelings, unresolved wounds, and developmental needs. The difference is that shining is based on logic, reason, and understanding, which grounds us in a more objective reality. To shine is to open ourselves fully and embrace reality unconditionally, in both its joys and its suffering. In Buddhism, there is never a place for unanalyzed beliefs or views. The Buddhist view is based upon understanding that arises from our direct experiences of reality. How to shine This practice requires that you learn how to feel, cultivate, and radiate inner feelings of goodness, positivity, care, and joy. If needed, you can imagine a past experience or a wonderful person whose recollection may help these feelings to arise. On a basic level, my favorite way to teach shining is through guided meditation. Below is a short meditation that can be practiced or reflected upon whenever you have a little free time or at the end of a regular meditation session. While taking your chosen seat, and meditation position, 
begin by engaging in calm, abiding meditation. Once you feel calm and stable, start to generate feelings of goodness, positivity, and love from your heart. As you cultivate these feelings, imagine the sun is shining upon you, filling you with warmth, light, and goodness. While letting these feelings grow, see if you can extend it throughout your body, creating a union of mind and body. Increase and intensify the feeling until you can't contain it any longer. Now visualize millions of light rays infused with your joy, well-being, and care radiating out from you in every direction. Breathe and relax into the experience, letting your radiance envelop you, your room, and the world. Next, simply bask in the warmth and peace of your own goodness, letting it nourish and revitalize you. Envision yourself like the bird with no need to validate its worth. Imagine yourself like the flower, complete and whole in its beauty. Breathe in and appreciate your own magnificence, just as you are. Reflect on the freedom and potential that is available to you in every moment. Then, as you arise from your meditation, take with you into your day this radiance you have cultivated and through the realization of the miracle of your existence, shine in everything you do. On a higher level, the practice begins through cultivating a basic level of stillness and appreciation obtained through your understanding of the true nature of yourself in reality and the practices of meditation, mindfulness, and appreciation. Through stillness and appreciation, shining arises spontaneously and effortlessly as a byproduct of your true nature. The more you practice and familiarize yourself with shining, the more comfortable, natural, and constant it becomes. At some point, after considerable practice, shining can become a continuous state of mind, the spirit in which you live your life. Aspiration to Shine Today I will appreciate my true value and the miracle of my existence. I will embrace awakening as the true purpose and consummation of my life. I will delight in the freedom and potential available to me in every moment. Today, I will stop struggling against reality and embrace the mystery and wonder of life. I will use my breath to ground myself in the stillness of the present moment. I will recognize, cultivate, and radiate my innate goodness in everything I do. I am the bird. I am the flower. I am that which requires no embellishment. From this realization, my awakened activity spontaneously and effortlessly shines forth. Three-breath meditation. Practice the three-breath meditation with mantra throughout the day. While taking three conscious breaths, on inhale, silently say, present. At the top of the inhale, silently say, aware. On exhale, silently say, shine. 
the felt experience of shining. From a rudimentary level, shining feels warm and expansive, a feeling that seems to extend and radiate beyond their usual physical boundaries, a grounded feeling arising from a clear understanding of our true nature and the recognition of our innate goodness, a spacious state of contentment and peace imbued with joyful confidence and a heightened and peripheral sense of awareness. Worries and petty concerns dissolve as our better nature arises and radiates. This is an experience that is rejuvenating, energizing, and life-affirming. At deeper levels, while experiencing everything mentioned above, shining can usher in the experience of stillness, thoughtlessness, objective distance, and feelings of egolessness and non-dual states. What to expect from this practice? This practice, unlike many others, can show results immediately, depending, of course, on your aptitude, experience, and level of awareness. From there, results are incremental. As we gain skill at shining, becoming more familiar with the feeling and proficient in our method for activating and sustaining it, we incrementally gain greater beneficial results. We all naturally shine at different times. On our birthdays, when we win at things, contests, sports, performance, during our first kiss, when we feel beautiful and attractive, on our wedding day, at the birth of our child. Some people seem to naturally shine in everything they do, possessing a natural radiant presence or magnetism. As you develop your ability to shine, you may find that people actually recognize and react to your shining. Combining shining with other practices. You can enhance any practice by combining it with shining. For example, if you're trying to work on your own speediness by focusing on your breath, you can enhance the practice by shining within each breath. This brings a positive awareness and expansiveness to the breath, enhancing the practice greatly. We can also use shining as an object of meditation in which we focus single-pointedly on the inner feeling of shining. I often recommend practicing appreciation, stillness, and shining together in union. Q&A. Questions, answers, and requested advice by practitioners. Question. You've mentioned how to accept ourselves and our current reality, but do you have any advice for accepting others? Answer, yes, by assessing and accepting their behavior objectively. Say someone has insulted you. Instead of flying off the handle and overreacting, look at it objectively and ask, is this outside of normal human behavior? In this case, the answer is no, for insults make up a large part of human interaction. Just watch any sitcom. Every day, millions are insulting and being insulted. This is our reality. You may not like it, and you may long to live in a more mature world. You may even decide to put your efforts into working towards that goal, but it still remains our current reality. A useful technique uh, shared previously for when you're confronted by behavior you don't like is first accept it and put it in the context by saying to yourself, this is what people do, or this is how people behave. After accepting that fact, 
you can then decide maturely and objectively if the situation calls for a response or any further action. Question, I suffer from depression. Is it possible for me to shine and benefit from the practice? Answer, I can imagine a scenario in which cultivating joy and goodness in a rational and gentle manner could not be beneficial, regardless of our capacity or obstacles. Clearly, there are mental states that are less conducive to shining, but in the end, it's irrelevant. You simply do the best you can. If you can shine a little, you'll get a little result. If you can shine more, you'll get more of a result. Just be patient and go slow. Question, how is our view of reality related to awakening? Answer, simply put, to awaken is to transcend wrong views of reality. Awakening can be understood twofold, what we awaken from and what we awaken to. We awaken from habitual and mundane existence, ignorance and superficiality. We awaken to clarity, understanding, peace, contentment, and joy. Question, isn't accepting reality just giving up hope on a better world? Answer, it's important to understand that acceptance in this usage is not resignation or giving up. Instead, acceptance is about embracing reality, which stops us from living in denial, complaining that the world isn't the way we think it should be, or expecting the world to conform to our own views and principles. We accept the reality of the situation, which grounds us in understanding, and then, if we feel compelled, <clears throat> we can act and change the situation. Through accepting reality, we gain objectivity, which helps us to see beyond our subjective biases, interpretations, and idealized projections, giving us an unparalleled advantage in resolving problems, determining productive actions, and achieving fruitful results. Question. You talk about gaining objectivity, which frees us from subjective bias. Is there such a thing as a purely objective view? Answer, objectivity and subjectivity represent two ends of our sp spectrum of perception. So the more we ground ourselves in reality through reason and logic, the further we move towards the objective end of the spectrum. And the more we ground ourselves in bias, interpretation, and emotion, the further we move towards subjectivity. Is there a state of complete objectivity? Many in Buddhism say no asserting that even a Buddha possesses a personal subjective identity and view. But this question becomes ir irrelevant when understanding that we are continuously shifting on the spectrum of perception, being influenced by external and internal phenomena, causes, and conditions. Our aim is to cultivate a balanced view in which we command an objective outlook rational, logical, and understanding that is informed by our subjective experience, emotions, intuitions, and instincts. Question. I've been practicing shining for a considerable amount of time and have only seen surface level results. Answer. For deeper results, you need to pair shining with practices that lead to achieving basic levels of stillness and awakening. This is done through study, 
to gain a deeper understanding of the nature of yourself in reality and through the practices of meditation, mindfulness, and appreciation. The deeper you understand and practice, the deeper you can shine. When you say our personal reality is less definitive than commonly believed, do you mean things don't exist or there is no objective reality? Answer, no. Buddhism accepts empirical reality and the existence of external phenomena. What Buddhism asserts is that it exists much differently than we assume. The Buddha said life is like a dream, but rejected that life was a dream. Question, if we aren't born with a purpose, how do you explain how some people are born with clear uh, proclivities or talents? Answer, Buddhism claims they are created by past life imprints. However, there could be many plausible answers to this question. In early development, the, the, what creates initial interests and passions within us is not clear. There are genetic, instinctual, cultural drives. Maybe being shown favor or witnessing a moving experience at a pivotal point in one's development leads to excellence, etc. Question. We generate and radiate shining from within our own minds and hearts. So is shining real or is it just an illusory projection? Answer. In Buddhism, conceptual phenomena are considered just as real as empirical phenomena. Conceptual phenomena are considered real because they can enact change in people's lives, be verified through others' experiences, etc. A good example of this is the law of countries. Laws, although being conceptual, can impact your life greatly and can also be validated by other people. The emotions supporting shining, although internal, are clearly real. They can be felt, lead to life-changing choices, and can cause us to act externally. Furthermore, these emotions are perceptible to others, and in many cases are contagious. Happiness is clearly contagious, as well as kindness and benevolence. So, although you are generating, cultivating, and experiencing shining internally, it can enact real benefits in your life and the lives of others. What about serious issues in the world or dark aspects of our own psyche that may need to be addressed? Answer. One of the most important tenets of Buddhism is the principle of the middle way, often referred to as the Buddha's middle way. It is the midway point between absolute views and represents balance and moderation. So this practice, like others, should not be taken to extremes. We never let any of our practices blind us to reality. In this case, there is no reason why cultivating positivity and goodness would prevent us from actively engaging with these issues or any other issues. In fact, the energy, clarity, and positivity created by the practice would clearly be beneficial in any situation. Important notes. If difficulties in this practice persist, it's always a good idea to seek out additional one-on-one -on -one advice from a qualified teacher. Meditation, mindfulness, and Buddhism were not intended as medical therapy. 
For those who suffer from mental, social, and or emotional disorders, it's always best to work with a therapist or specialized teacher in the field. Currently, there are a growing number of therapists and specialized teachers that can instruct patients in meditation, mindfulness, and Buddhist practice. Lastly, if for any reason you feel vulnerable, unstable, or just a bit down, reach out to others, be it family, friends, or professional caregivers. There are so many wonderful people in this world who wish to help. And that brings us to the end of The Meaning of Life and the Practice of Shining. Thank you for listening. I hope this text was beneficial and inspiring. Please be sure to check out my download library for free Buddhist study material at TenzinTarpa.com. And just a reminder, if you find my work of value, consider making a donation at my website.